WDBM East Lansing. This is City Pulse on the Air. Joining you now, your Editor-in-Chief of the Lansing City Pulse, Burl Schwartz. Hello, this is Skylar Ashley filling in for Burl Schwartz. Up first on today's show is my conversation with Lansing stand-up comedian Amaru, the mastermind behind Funny is Funny a new comedy club that's opened here in town at the old Lansing Mall Cinema. I talk with Amaru about what it was like to get the club ready, doing all those renovations, and what its first month of shows have been like. Let's check it out. I'm here with Amaru talking about Funny is Funny, a new club that opened up at the former site at the Lansing Mall Cinema across the street from the Lansing Mall. So Amaru, tell me about how your first handful of shows have gone. They've been going great. Uh, the numbers aren't where we want them, but that's because we're just now leaving uh, or or coming uh, or leaving fall winter months for all comedy clubs are when we start popping. And then especially for us, because we're new, we wanted to establish our presence here before we didn't want to dive right into uh, December or the winter months. Um, and still trying to establish ourselves so we wanted to already be here so that when people start looking for stuff to do because it's cold they're here already so um so you know every now and then we, we had to eat a little crow <laughs> uh in regards to the numbers and that's just what it is and uh uh for a little education in the summer months the hotter months across the board across the united states comedy clubs um you know, are down in numbers. So it's not nothing new. Um, we're just happy that we started when we started so that we're, again, established in the uh, colder months because Christmas parties and holiday parties and all those type of things started kicking in. What kind of performers are you seeking to book at the club? Will this be local only or are you trying to go national? We have national acts coming in, uh, comics that, are uh you know for uh for all intents and purposes name comics so people you see on tv uh the at least the headliners um we will we will have uh local acts um uh co-starring uh opening up for them and you know for right now i host most of the shows um leading up to when i headline in december because i'm a comic myself um, um, yeah, so, you know, like Adam Hunter will be here next week. He's from, you know, MMA, uh, uh, and, and, uh, been on Jay Leno a couple of times, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, Coco Brown, uh, Detroit native. She's on 911, uh, been on some Tyler Perry movies, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and, and, you know, we got a, a local favorite named Bob Phillips. He'll be headlining, I think, in January. Um, we're supposed to be having Joey Medina in here. And uh, uh, hopefully uh, when Mike Robles gets a little bit better, the K-Locals jam. Um, uh, I should be calling Gilbert Escovel sometime in a couple weeks to get him here because he's from here. So, yeah, we're going to be having national acts. Uh, this is a step up from what Lansing is used to in regards to comedy clubs. Uh, they've had three of them, and I've performed at all three and know the caliber 
of comedy that we're uh, providing uh, supersedes what they were providing on a consistent basis. As a comic yourself, what was it like going through that period with no real comedy club to perform at besides open mic nights at bars? Um, and now that Funny is Funny is open, what do you think you can offer to comics and audiences alike? I, I'm an old school kind of cat, man. And, uh, uh, you know, you want to maybe call me a fundamentalist in regards to uh, certain things don't need to be changed. Uh, you know, you don't have to reinvent the wheel. The reason why some of the clubs closed is because they were booking comics that weren't uh, necessarily headliner material. And, and part of that was because they were trying to cut corners and save money, you know, booking their friends. A lot of it is, is about putting asses in the seat. So they'll book somebody who's not funny at all and rest in peace, uh, like Screech. They would book him. And, and you know, us comics and even, even comedy fans who would frequent the club would be like, what the hell is this? Like, he is not funny. He's just a celebrity to put asses in the seats, and then when you get him in the seat and he don't deliver, that that, that don't that don't fare well, and people don't want to spend whatever they're charging twenty twenty five dollars to come see Screech and I make them laugh, you know, uh, the, you know the show was great in our time and era I guess or whatever, but when people spend that type of money, they want their money's worth, and if they feel like they ain't got their money's worth, the next time somebody says, hey, uh, what do we want to do tonight? Let's go to the comedy club. And somebody, all it takes for one of them to go, ah, oh, nah, they've had some trash comics for the last couple of weeks. I'd rather go to the bar or something like that. And that's what happens. I, you know, as, even as an audience member, if I go to the club just to visit and see who's performing and check it out or whatever and support, you hear the talk and the rumblings of people saying, man, I hope the comic is funny this week. And so, mm-hmm. and so I've, I've been a comic for 22 years. I've performed in 43 states. And I've 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 seen the best and the worst, and uh and 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 I've taken a little bit from each uh, successful and not successful club in regards to why they're not successful or why they are successful. I want to talk a bit about the process of actually preparing the club. What was it like renovating the old Lansing Mall Cinema Building, turning it into a comedy club? What was that like? We still fixing it up. We're here right now. We got some volunteers that come every Saturday. Um, uh, we got one here right now and there's one on the way who are, uh, uh, very big fans of the club. Uh, matter of fact, the one that's on our way, she was at the show last night with, uh, one of her kids and his girlfriend. They really love, uh, the idea of the club and not just the club, but Greenwood itself and what it stands for. And so the support is just phenomenal. Um, putting it together, uh, so, so, so the reason why people have gravitated towards, uh, Greenwood and the club itself is because, uh, of, again, what we stand for. And we put it out there. When we first started this, we, we put it out there and said, this is what we want to do. And, and this is our, these are our needs. And because I put, uh, somewhat of a, you know, 15 point, uh, uh, list of the things that I was going to do personally to, to move forward to opening this place. I executed it. I executed, well, we executed everything on that list. And so when people see that you are following through with that, what you say you're going to do, they can't help but to 
okay, well, let me come check this place out. And then when they check it out, describing it is much different than actually coming to coming here and seeing it for yourself. You can you can you can brush off everything that I said, but when you come here and see everything that I said has come to fruition, you're like, okay, this is the real deal. This is this is exactly what he said he's going to do. Um, you know, it's a it's a community based situation. Uh, once we really get up and rolling and make some, make some uh, revenue, we are going to uh, provide resources and give some uh, some funds and and help the underrepresented and underdeveloped communities. And and what this thing is all about, we are trying to be a new type of movie studio, a studio that not only takes from the community but gives just as much back. And and a lot of these movie studios can do that. They do it under the auspices of charity and a charitable foundation type thing, but a lot of times that's just for for uh, good publicity and all that. We want to do it because we have to do it. We should be doing it. We just, uh, you know, a movie studio takes a lot from its community, and they need to give just as much back. And if we do that, it becomes a symbiotic relationship, so the community is more than happy to support uh, everything that we do here. And and when you have that type of relationship and community-based situation, nothing can stop us. Funny is Funny is doing weekly Tuesday shows at 8 p.m. How have those been going for you? So on, uh, oh, it's been going, oh, it's, it's getting popular. We got comics coming from all the way from Detroit. One of them said uh, last Tuesday that they're making this day home club. And, and I'm going to tell you why. So as a comic, especially as a black comic, the love that we show here to the uh, up-and-coming and inspiring comics, the open micers as we call them, um, is different because, uh, you know, after they perform, I've been doing it for 22 years, so I feel like KRS-One, I got to teach, you know, I feel like um, I can't let them walk away thinking that um, some of the things that they're doing are cool and copacetic because if they take this to a, a white club, they're not going to book them. Um, for instance, um, uh, if they go in audition and we call it a guest set, uh, you call a club and say, Hey, I'm in town. I'm a comic. I would like to do a guest set if you have an open spot. And that means a five, three to five minute spot on a, uh, a pro show, uh, before the, uh, feature and the headliner comes up. And the booker or the person that books that venue will be looking for a couple things. And you can tell right away, what their experience is, and and they, they'll tell right away within 30 seconds whether they're going to book them or not. And me, I have the power to help them bypass any of those uh, uh, situations that might not get them booked. So I tell them, hey, because a lot of a lot of comics, you know, just like kids, they want to rush through uh, uh, school and training because they feel like they're ready because they they get a couple laughs. Comedy is an art. And, and simple things as not being able to, uh, MC or handle the mic, uh, will not get you booked. So, you know, they may be funny when they come here, but hey, you need to move that microphone stand out of your way because it's a distraction. And if I was a booker, I could see right away that you don't have enough experience to perform on my, on my stage. So simple things like that. They loved it. As a matter of fact, I, I did a critique on a, just a couple of people last week, and then at the end of the show, a few more people raised their hand like, hey, you just say, what, what about me? <laughs> they were like, what about me? What, how did I do? You know, 
They want it. They want this information. They want this embrace because I know I never got it. Uh, let me take that back. My mentor uh, back in the day in Arizona, he gave it to us. But for the most part, I've never seen uh, an open mic uh, situation where uh, uh, the booker or the club owner was even there. Uh, it's usually just, yeah, you just open mic, make sure you don't tear my place up and buy a drink. You know, uh, the, the care and you're supposed to nurture your comedy scene. That's what I want to do. I want a comedy scene like Minnesota has. They have a great time. That's why so many famous comics come out of there because these guys get together after a show. They write, they promote the club, they critique each other. And, and, and make each other stronger, and that's what I want here. And so, in order to do that, uh, you know, you need to embrace the comics that come and 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 and, and show them some tough love. I've showed them, like, uh, I had a comic do a guest set yesterday, uh, but he came the day before yesterday, and um, he was late. And I was like, "You late? Oh man, I was I was out in the parking lot. I didn't know that. And 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 for that reason, you can't perform." Because if you are late at anybody else's venue, they're not letting you perform. So I need to teach him that lesson uh, 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 right away. So he came yesterday. He was on time. Uh, as a matter of fact, he was probably about 15 minutes earlier than when he was supposed to be here. <clears throat> letting me know that he's taking this seriously. And that, and the reason why I do that is because, because if you are late, then that makes the show late. And if the show is late, Especially if we have two shows in one night, that it passes on to the next show, and 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 now you're making it exactly. about you instead of about the show. And so so exactly. is, is this a train? Is this a training process to respect the respect the art, respect the club, and and then you can take that to other clubs and they'll see your training uh, by way of your performance and the way you present yourself. Let's say I'm a local comedian and I think I have a really solid set of material. How do I get involved with performing at Funny is Funny Comedy Club? Uh, two ways. You can go to the funniestfunnycomedyclub.com. There's an open mic tab and say that you want to come. You have to register the Monday before uh, and say that you're uh, a, a comic and want to come in and do a guest set and or you want to come in for the uh, uh, open mic the next day. The best thing would be to come to the open mic the next day because you can then audition uh, so to speak, for us, uh, we can see you live and in person. Uh, but for the most part, if they're comic visiting and they want to get a booking, then you send uh, your uh, proper promo to uh, Info. And that's another thing, sending proper promo. When a comic says, hey, I'm a feature or I'm a headliner, give me some dates, all I say to them is send proper promo to this address. And I can tell from the email that they send me, how long they've been doing stand-up. And if they don't know what proper promo means, that means they're not ready for the stage. And and those are the things that we, we teach the comics when they come to open mic and uh, willing to learn. This is what proper promo is, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Thank you very much for speaking with us, Amaro. Really appreciate it. No problem. Now, you're listening to City Pulse on the air on 88.9 FM, The Impact. This is arts editor Skylar Ashley. You can learn more about Funny is Funny Comedy Club, including its upcoming schedule of shows, by going to funnyisfunnycomedyclub.com. Up next, we have 
Colt Tunningley's interview with the Lansing indie rock band Tangelo. They discuss what it's been like to get back to the songwriting and performance grind after the confusing times caused by the coronavirus pandemic. How many shows have you played since like everything's been coming back and how's that been? So uh, this is going to be our first show since quarantine. What was that? March of 2020. So yeah, been a year and almost almost a year and a half. And so we've just been really excited. Again, this is our first time. Plus, it's given us such a, a new push to, to keep practicing and making new material as well. Mm-hmm. So you've been working on new stuff? Yeah, yep. I actually uh, went over Mitch's house uh, a few weeks ago, laid down a couple of guitar tracks. We're still kind of letting them stew, you know, and uh, helping us spark ideas. Did you do a lot of writing over quarantine? Uh, I tried to. What about you, Mitch? <laughs> I mean, there's a lot. I feel like a lot of artists were in the same boat where they thought, you know, there were a lot of ideas, but there just wasn't a lot of motivation to get it down you know a lot of people weren't feeling the greatest uh, be it because of mental health or be it because of covid difficulties and stuff like that so i feel like there was a lot of writing it took a long time to get it recorded though yeah definitely and and like you said too just uh trying to keep motivation because especially in quarantine you're stuck at home you can always be like well i'll just i'll just finish that up tomorrow (laughs) and then it's the same thing tomorrow you know there's also, you know, we did uh, have a, a little roster change in the middle of, of quarantine as well. So everybody is is more within driving distance, and that makes uh, practice on the weekdays a bit easier. It's kind of it's it's tough to coordinate, you know, when you have people living across the state and trying to coordinate for practice. Mm-hmm. So what changed about the roster? Well, I think just kind of. I don't know. It was just quarantine. Like, <laughs> um, you know, working from home. Uh, my brother got an awesome job working uh, in the for for the disc golf pro tour. He, so he's been traveling around the country. Uh, some of our other other friends they had plans to go to Chicago, uh, Colorado, um, and yeah, it's pretty much just it's just life <laughs> to sum it up. Mm-hmm. Technically things. speaking, uh, we we lost a guitarist, and we had to switch out a lead vocalist. And obviously, the his brother's the drummer, so we lost a little bit of rhythm. So we've had to like you know find some people to fill in those specific roles, as well as try to find the right people for the vibe to to, to change it back up and to get it back running. Because you know it's it's always difficult replacing people. People are irreplaceable, you know, in the in essence. So getting the same vibe elsewhere and you know what i'm trying to say it's you gotta yeah there's the chemistry chemistry that you rebuild yeah so what's your practice space like uh so right now we've been doing it at my place i uh uh i got a house and i have a basement and it's pretty much dedicated to music you know we got the full drum set down there we got the sound system couple mics hooked up we got the amps we also have some nice uh led lights and uh, a few christmas lights hanging up and around um, some posters tapestries it's uh, it's all about the the, the, the vibe you know mm-hmm. so do you all uh kind of write the songs together as a group 
or what's the songwriting process like? Brad comes up with most of the uh, ideas and it's essentially everything's written on the guitar and it's exploded elsewhere. He'll have ideas uh, on the guitar and he'll come up with them along with lyrics and then uh, eventually when he feels comfortable he'll share and then we'll sort of add on. Um, yeah, at least that's how I feel like it goes. I feel like he was about to try to give everybody the songwriting credit, and that's why I said something. <laughs> but most of it is 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 him writing the rhythms and the chords and the lyrics, and then normally, uh, you know, Cam would come in and do a drum track on top of it, and then I would normally come in and try to fill in the bass line in there, and you know, we just try to make it sound good. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Uh, it'll be like kind of a, a structure that'll give them and a key and lay the foundation for them. And they're pretty much just throwing all the sprinkles and the cherries and the frosting on top, uh, making it actually taste good. Which is super awesome, too, because it's more of a free, uh, it's more of a free composition with the way that Brad writes rather than, you know, I would really like it if there were these two hits here and then all of a sudden the bass goes down and and that's awesome when an artist has a vision but it's also just as cool to give that freedom to the band members so we can let it evolve naturally mm-hmm. yeah very cool yeah yeah def- definitely and i've i've been in other bands where it's like everybody has an equal role and it's cool and everything but it, it ends up not being productive because i feel like there's got to be one person that sort of drives the direction and then everybody else fill it in. Because if not, you, you get frozen with, well, what do you want to do here? Like, I don't know, I guess whatever you want to do. <laughs> or or there's competing ideas where it's like, I want to do this right here. It's like, no, I want to, I'd rather do this. So it's it's just easier if you have a, one person kind of kind of direct it and let everybody else fill it in. Yeah, that makes sense. Who have you been listening to lately for inspiration or just for fun? Mitch, you go ahead. I got to think about that one. <laughs> well, as always, as a Michigander, Wolfpack is the, got that pop. I don't know. I, I don't want to say like neo-funk or something like that, but it's just like a, a cool sound. I love the sound of Wolfpack. I love horns. I came from like a, I love jazz and I love that sort of sound. Uh, so I, I've been listening to uh, a band called Lawrence. And they do a lot of pop and a lot of like neo pop or soul pop or I don't know how they classify it, but I love horns. So I've been listening to them. And then uh, I've been getting into pop music a lot recently, actually, because they just have such interesting changes in there. And there's, there's a lot of depth in pop music that a lot of people don't really see. So, you know, <clears throat> as odd as it sounds, I've been listening to Dua Lipa and I've been listening to Olivia Rodrigo and I've been listening to all these people on the radio just because they're doing it. You know, something's working and they might not be all writing their own songs, but they're still artists in their own sense and you could take stuff away from it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard has also been huge on my list recently in terms of newer music. Uh, they're always putting out content just <laughs> all the time, and uh, it's all it's all different too. So I feel like they've been such a huge contribution in me expanding my musical horizon. 
especially with odd time signatures or unique instruments. Um, so definitely them. I also, for some reason, have just been building a uh, 60s country playlist lately. <laughs> Maybe in the opposite direction there, but uh, yeah, that's uh, that's been interesting. So do you all have any special plans for the show on the 18th? Any covers you're going to do or... Yeah, yeah. Um, I, so we have, uh, number one, I'm really excited because uh, the venue's great uh, at Red Cedar. They have great cocktails. And then there's also going to be a food truck there. Uh, that sounds amazing. Both like uh, really good vegan and non-vegan food too. Um, it's going to be indoor and outdoor. So more on the, on the COVID-friendly side, of course. Uh, and... We're gonna have two sets, a uh, good amount of covers and a and a good amount of originals. Yeah, the one that I'm looking forward to, I guess, the most is uh, it's really coming together is is the breathe and time. Yes, Pink um, Floyd. Pink Floyd. It's it's not something we've done before, but one of the, the the new people had a great idea to to do that, and I think they've worked with Brad before on it, and it's just sounded really good. It's I think people will like the vibe of that one because it's it's kind it's kind of a little different than normally what we play. If I if I think I think that's right, you know, I think it's yeah. a little different than we normally play in terms of colors and in terms of overall, you know, brightness of the songs. And awesome, looking forward to it. You're listening to City Pulse on the air on eighty-eight point nine FM, The Impact. You can keep up with the band Tangelo and check out their music by simply searching Tangelo on Facebook. Just make sure you get the Lansing Band and check their location on their page. And that about wraps things up for us here at City Pulse on the Air. I'm now going to turn things over to music writer Rich Topeka, who will play us out with a rare Michigan-produced track. For City Pulse, this has been Skylar Ashley, and here's Rich. All right, here we are, and today I'm playing a track from Lansing, Michigan's Heavy Metal Past. It's from a group called Dead Engine, and that's dead without an A in it. So you should definitely look them up if you're into Judas Priest and that sort of old-school thrash metal. They released two really killer albums. Uh, Dead Engine, the self-titled record, came out in 1985, and then Hold a Grudge was issued two years later in 1987. So uh, they, they uh, had a following well beyond Lansing. Um, they had a following all across the country, and they still have a somewhat decent cult following to this day. So uh, if you're into old school uh, headbanging music, Dead Engine is definitely worth checking out. From WDBM East Lansing, this is City Pulse on the air. Joining you now, your editor-in-chief of the Lansing City Pulse, Burl Schwartz.